on to those cards. We're going to pass the baskets at the end of the service. You can put the connection card along with the, any physical offering that you have in the basket as it passes by. Or if you did the digital connection card, you can just hit send and it'll get right where it needs to get to. So this is the fifth week of our 40 days of love. So we're working our way through these couple months. We do a, we do a campaign every fall. This is the seventh year in a row we've done a campaign where we say if we can get the messages and the small groups and books we're reading and daily devotionals and things all kind of moving in the same direction that we can grow spiritually. And so, so this year's campaign is focused on relationships. We've been talking about our relationship with God. We've been talking about our relationship with one another. I've been hearing good reports about things. Hard to believe we've got, next week I'm going to talk about uh, how you have a love that lasts, you know, like a love that can endure. Then we've got Thanksgiving. Then we've got one more message in the series. And then we're going to be into Advent and, and uh, Christmas time is going to be here. We'll get the Christmas trees up on the stage and and uh, start getting ready to say 2023 because that's a weird I don't know that number just seems weird to me um, today's message is entitled love is not easily angered and so it's taken from first Corinthians 13 verse 5 which says love is not easily angered now I'm gonna give you guys a warning I had a conversation with somebody in the lobby uh, just after the first service and, and and he was a little mad at me and he's like did my wife talk to you and I was like, no, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I'm not even sure who you are. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, have we ever talked before? I don't know. Your wife didn't talk to me. So this is one of those messages. This is one of those messages that kind of can hit home a little bit because we're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about the difference between righteous anger and sinful anger. Um, and I think it's really important that we do this because anger is the most misunderstood and misapplied emotion. I think of all the emotions that we have. Anger is the one we understand the least. And I would say that probably anger is the one emotion that causes the most problems in our lives, right? Most problems in our relationships, conflicts, fights, challenges, difficulties. So we need to understand, like the Bible has a lot to say about anger. We need to understand it. The first thing that we need to understand is that anger is not necessarily a sin, Right? We may think that like, oh, I'm angry, I sin. No, no, no. Anger is not a sin. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. So there's a, it's, what are we going to do with our anger? Anger is just a red light on the dashboard. It kind of happens. It shows us that something's going on. What are we going to do with it? And sometimes, this might surprise you to hear, sometimes anger is the most appropriate response. That, you know, because anger is actually something that shows that we're made in the image of God. And, and the Bible lets us know that there are times where God gets angry. It's a righteous anger. It's not a sinful anger. It's a righteous anger. But, uh, but there are times in your life that you should get angry. Let's say somebody really does something to hurt my wife or hurt my kids. I should get angry, right? Because I love my kids. It's something, it's something because I love them. Uh, there's going to there's gonna be anger that's happened, and anger is a reflection of love. And if I don't get angry, what that means is I don't really care, you know? And the opposite of love is not anger. The opposite of love is indifference. The opposite of love is being like, ah, I don't care. It's no big deal. And so, so sometimes, you know what, we, it's, it's appropriate that we get angry, 
But the problem is, is we don't know how to express or manage our anger. We don't know how to deal with it. And if we learn how to manage our anger, it's going to lead to good results in our life. I'm telling you, you know what? If, if I think this is something that we all need to lean into. This is something that's relevant to each and every one of us. And if we learn how to do this, it could transform your family. It could make the, a huge difference in your family. You don't have to give me a show of hands, but how many of you would say that one of the biggest obstacles I've had to deal with in my life is I grew up in a household where there was a lot of uncontrolled anger? There was a lot of anger. Your parents were angry. There was just a lot of anger. It, it, it carries a toll. If you learn how to, to deal with your anger, it can transform your family. If you're a leader, whether you're a leader in business, leader in the church, leader in school, leader in whatever, if you learn how to deal with your anger, you're going to take a lot of steps towards being a good leader. And if we as a church... If the more of us who understand what the Bible says about anger and we learn how to deal with our anger, that's going to help us become a healthy church, right? Because, because unrighteous anger can cause a lot of problems, and the problem is we don't know how to do this. We have never really learned how to do this. You might have, you know, you saw your parents deal with anger when you were a kid. Maybe you saw them deal with it in a good way. Maybe you saw them deal with it in a negative way. They probably never sat you down and said, hey, here's how you deal with this powerful emotion. When I was a kid, when I was in school, we never talked about anger in school. That just wasn't something we talked about. My wife teaches fourth grade. She says they talk about it now. But you, so you probably, though, didn't hear about it in school. I don't think we talk about it enough in church. But the Bible is very clear how we are to deal with our anger. And so let me give you some stats that, that are kind of interesting about anger, you know, just to kind of help us like, get a sense of how this affects all of us and where we are in this. So the average woman loses her temper... Guess how many times a week? Somebody yelled out 30, and I'm like, whoa. Some like deep male voice said 30, and I said, somebody's got some issues with some women in his life. <laughs> three times. So the average woman will lose her temper three times. The average man will lose his temper six times during the course of a week. Uh, women tend to get more angry at people, while men get more angry at things and circumstances. Um, th uh, this was interesting. Single adults get angry twice as much as married adults? That, that surprised me. I don't even know, like, the why or what behind it, but, you know, that's what the stats said. Uh, men are more physical in their anger, and obviously sometimes it can cross a line to be physically abusive, but a, a guy's more likely, if he's really mad, is going to want to punch a wall or something like that or throw something. Uh, they express it more physically. Um, and then, you know, you're more likely to express your anger at home than you are anywhere else, right? So, the, so usually the ones who pay the biggest price for our anger are the people that we love the most, right? The people who are in our family. So, so some, anger is something that we all deal with, right? Three to six to 30 times a week, depending. Uh, and so today what we're going we're gonna to look at is what the Bible has to say about anger. Particularly, we're going to look at the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs has, a, has so much practical wisdom about life. And the thing that I love about it, you'll see it in the verses we look at today, um, they, it just, you know, doesn't mince words. Like the, the book of Proverbs will be like the foolish man, the stupid man, the idiot. It doesn't say idiot, but I guess if it was a paraphrase, they could, they could say that. You know, it just really doesn't, doesn't mince words. And it's, and it's this distinction between the kind of the unexamined life and the wise life. And so how do we get wisdom? 
And I, I really do believe that if we can grow in our wisdom, especially when it comes to how we deal with anger, it's going to make a huge difference in our life. So I would encourage you to open up your app. I don't know if you've downloaded the North Jersey Vineyard app yet. We have a great app with lots of stuff on it. Those of you who are watching online, good morning. Good to see you. Um, Open up your app, and I have fill-in-the-blank notes because I think there's. I think this is a message where there's some good stuff that you might want to remember, that you might want to refer to. So you can do the fill-in-the-blank stuff. You can send it to yourself and uh, and save it and check in on it. You know when you need to. Um, but and I hope that this is something that we're all going to learn, something that we're all going to like pay attention and grow, and that we're going to model it. We're going to teach it to our kids. If you're an employer, maybe you'll teach it to your employees. If you're a teacher, you'll teach it to your students. You know that because our society desperately needs to understand this better. I think we've all seen over the last. Doesn't it seem like over the last couple of years with the pandemic and all this other stuff, like. This has always been a problem, but people expressing like out of control anger seems to be even worse. Like people have a shorter fuse. Like people are, you know, it just doesn't take much now for people to kind of lose it. So this is something we really need to understand. And so how we're going to walk through this is the Bible tells us, uh, the Book of Proverbs, four ways that we deal with our anger. Could have been more, but I figured let's let's uh, let's start with four. And so the first one is we need to resolve to control it. We need to resolve to control it. And what that means is we have to stop saying, I can't help it. We need to stop saying, well, that's just how I'm wired. I'm just feisty. You know, this is just how I've always been. This is how my family has been. This is how my culture has been. This is how my people are. We need to stop saying, somebody made you get angry. Somebody made you respond with unrighteous anger. You push my buttons or you made me do that. Nobody made you do anything. We need to understand, like the Bible says, in your anger, don't sin. Okay, so maybe they made you angry, but you're responsible for your response. You're responsible for where you went with your anger, and we can't, we can't blame anyone else. We need to realize we don't go anywhere without giving ourselves permission to go there. Right? You have a lot more control over your anger than you realize. Think about this. Imagine if you and your spouse or you and someone in your household, you're, you're going at it. You're having a horrible fight. You're yelling. You're screaming. You're being a maniac. But you're expecting an important work call, right? Somebody that you work with or maybe, you know, some client or someone is going to call you. And you got to take that call. And so you could be in the middle of just blowing up, like screaming and yelling. And then the phone rings and you answer it. And you're like, well, hello. <laughs> so nice to hear from you. How is your day going? You turned it off because you realize this isn't going to help me professionally if my coworker thinks I'm a maniac, right? So I need to, I need to kind of deal with this. And so you're, you're able to do it. You're able, you're able to just stop it. It says in Proverbs 29, 11, this is kind of some of the harsh language I was talking about or the clear, direct language. A fool gives full vent to his anger. So if you're someone who just gets angry and then you blow up, Bible says you're a fool, I'm not saying it. The Bible says it. But a wise man keeps himself under control. And so keeps means it's a choice. And it means that we have a responsibility to not lose control. And when we choose to fly off the handle or whatever expression we want to use, blow up, whatever it is, we, we are, are choosing to go down a road and we can't blame anyone else but ourselves. Now, yes, they might have done something to make anger rise up in you, 
but you chose how to express it. You chose what to do with it. And so we need to resolve. That means we need to decide ahead of time. And so I'm hoping that all of us will make a decision in our will today to say, I'm going to resolve to manage my anger better. I'm going to resolve to make sure that I don't, in my anger, sin. And, and cause all sorts of problems and all sorts of difficulties. See, the moment when something happens and your blood pressure goes up 30 points and there's the shot of adrenaline and your face is flushed red, then it's kind of too late, right? You got to resolve ahead of time. You got to decide, I'm this, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know who's going to say what or what's going to occur, but I'm going to resolve. I'm not going to lose it. Or maybe you're going to go into a work meeting on Monday and it could be a little contentious. There's some issues. There's some backbiting. There's something going on. You go in there and you say, I'm going to resolve that I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to lose control. Or maybe you and your spouse have an issue that you're kind of dealing with and, and you're going to talk about it that night and you come home from work and you resolve, like as you know, before the key goes into the door to go into your house, you resolve that I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to blow up. I'm not going to fall into unrighteous anger. So we need to remember that anger is a choice and we're going to choose, resolve to not let it hurt me and not let it hurt those around us. So the second thing is this. We need to remember the cost. Got to remember the cost. Let's think through a little bit the cost of unrighteous anger. Because if we think through the cost of unrighteous anger, it can help us deal with it when we realize the damage that it causes. Now, when I was in my early 20s, I used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. I was like fully addicted and I was trying to quit. And it was really hard. And so I get these urges for a cigarette. I'd be trying to quit. I get these urges for a cigarette, and I try to white knuckle it. Somebody gave me some advice. They said, Phil, take a coffee can, like a big coffee can, and for like two weeks, put all your cigarette butts and all your ashes in the coffee can. And so I did. And so like the coffee can was filled with, with old cigarette butts and ashes, and I put the lid on it. And they said, when you were fighting the urge to smoke a cigarette, take the lid off, put your nose right there in the coffee can and breathe deeply. It was actually a pretty, listen, the pro tip, if anyone here is trying to quit smoking, I think this works. This is, this is a good one because you smell that and you're just like, I don't want to put, that's gross. I don't want to put that inside of me. I don't want my clothes to smell like that. I don't want my car to smell like that. And so we think through the cost and it helps us avoid the behavior. Proverbs 29, 22 says, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. So many sins. So let's think about some of the sins, some of the things, some of the situations our anger has created in our life. We'll let Proverbs walk us through it. Proverbs 15, 18 Hot tempers cause arguments. Has anyone here ever had their temper cause an argument? Or taken like a little argument and your argument, your temper made it a huge argument? Anybody here? You know, I, I'm raising my hand. I'm not just modeling because I've done it. Right? It says in Proverbs 14, 29, anger causes trouble. Has anyone experienced trouble because of their anger? One of the things that I've realized, and I've realized this the hard way, like especially in my job, right, as the leader of this church and leader of my staff, there have been times through the years where I had to address something, where maybe someone on staff wasn't, they weren't doing something that they should do, or they were doing something that they shouldn't do, and so I had to address it. 
And what I realized, so I've got, to, I've got to address something so the church can run better, so things can flow the way they need to flow. But if I went into that situation, and rather than, like, addressing the issue, if I let myself lose control, it no longer, you know, I started yelling, and I showed that I'm, like, really mad. Um, it no longer was about the issue that needed to be fixed. It became about me getting mad. And so I realize it causes trouble. Like, I got to fix this thing. We got to talk about this thing. We got to work this out. If I lose it, then it's going to make it impossible to try to fix it, to try to deal with it. It goes on and it says, it says, Proverbs 14, 17, people with hot tempers do foolish things. Has anyone here ever done a foolish thing because you lost it? You know, has anyone here ever, you know, like you just said things? That, like, as you're saying these words, you're like, oh, no, I put that out in the universe. I can't get that back. Or, you know what, there might even be someone, maybe you had a kind of a good job. You know, all jobs have issues, have stuff you got to work through. But you lost your temper, and you stormed out, and you left a good job. Or you lost your temper, and you left a marriage. Or, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that happen. You know, things that happen that we can't, you know, like you can't unring the bell. They're able to do studies uh, of the brain. And so what they show, what they reveal, what it reveals is that when we're angry, that there are certain parts of our brain that lights up and other parts of our brain that go dark. And so what they say is that when you are losing your temper, you drop 40 to 50 IQ points. And so, you, so we say and we do stupid things because it's kind of a more primal part of our brain that kind of kicks in. It says this in um, Proverbs 11.29. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. That's a heavy one. And I just felt, you know what, as I was, as I was doing this earlier, I just felt like the Lord just kind of leaned on that a little bit. And I wonder if there's someone here, and, and then again, don't be mad at me in the lobby. Nobody talked to me. Nobody emailed me. No one said, Phil, would you please make your message about my husband? <laughs> Nobody did that. No one's ever done that. Maybe once. But uh, I just wondered if, if maybe, you know what, you, like, like you're here right now and God kind of sovereignly kind of timed everything because maybe you just had a horrible fight this weekend with your spouse. Maybe you had a horrible fight this morning. Maybe you lost it at your kids. Maybe you got to a place where you just kind of bottomed out and you're like, I, I'm going to lose stuff. Like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go so far that I'm not going to be able to come back. I've got I've to figure this out. Because the reality is, if you're someone, as a, as a father, as a husband, as a mother, as a wife, whatever it is, if you're someone who regularly loses their temper and you're yelling at your kids and you're screaming and you're a maniac in your family, what the Bible says here is that you can eventually lose everything. Like, you need to, we need to, like, pay attention. We need to figure out, okay, God, how do I move forward? Now, when I was, when I had my, when my kids were little, I did not want to be one of those fathers who yelled and screamed and lost my cool and lost my temper. So I, I really tried. You know, Norm and I were really good kind of holding each other accountable to, to, to take deep breaths and to not do it. But over the course, as you can imagine, over the course of years, there were some times where I lost it. There were some times where I yelled, and there were some times where my frustration and my anger came out. And I've had times with my adult kids, because all my kids are adults now, where they've been reminiscing about growing up. 
and times when my kids have been, you know, talking about stuff and, and would say around the table or whatever, say, remember that time that dad really lost it? Remember when he yelled and his face got red and I'm listening to that? And, and fortunately, it wasn't like, yeah, remember dad, dad would always do that on a day that ended in Y. So it wasn't that, you know, they would happen every now and then. But I just like listen to that and I think, Man, I wish they were like remembering all the all the soccer teams that I coached, and I wish they were remembering the the vacations that we took and the trip to the amusement park. But the thing of it is, and and that's like a couple of times that my kids remember. If you're someone who like this is like on the regular, the Bible gives a stern warning that you could lose everything because nothing destroys a relationship faster than anger. Nothing does. So if you keep using it, if that's a go-to in your relationship. You're guaranteeing that you're going to destroy the relationship. And what the Bible says is you will have nothing worthwhile left. And so we need to remember, I always lose when I lose my temper. You always lose. You're going to lose something. You're going to lose your reputation. You're going to lose your, the respect of others. You can lose a job. You can lose a friendship. You can lose the love of your family. You can lose your health, right? We know that uncontrolled anger and health issues go hand in hand. And so we want to, we want to remember the cost. The third thing is we want to reflect before reacting. In other words, you want to think before you speak. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about our conversation. And when it comes to anger, what usually causes us trouble are the words that we say. And so we want to be very careful about what the words that we're saying. We want to kind of take a deep breath. When something irritates you, when that red light on the dashboard comes up and, and something's happened in your marriage or something happened at work or with a friendship and you feel yourself getting angry, you want to take a moment and you want to pause. The Bible says that the wise person is going to take a breath. Remember the cost, right? Remember that... that by God's grace, you can control this. You don't have to go somewhere you don't want to go. And you think about the cost and you take that breath and you say, you know what? There's a situation going on here. I don't want to pour gasoline on this fire. I don't want to burn everything down. I don't want to react impulsively. I'm not going to just get that email and immediately just like type a thousand words a minute and hit send. And then you hit send. And you're like, oh no, what did I do? Or you text that thing and you put it out there. Or something happens at work and you storm down the office, you know, the hallway to confront the person. Or you follow that family member up to their bedroom. The Bible says that a wise person will take a breath. It says in Proverbs 29, 11, a stupid man gives free rein to his anger. A wise man waits and lets it grow cool. And so just wait a minute. Right? Don't, don't respond impetuously. Don't respond impulsively. Thomas Jefferson, the president, he was the one who said that if you get angry, it's a good idea to count to 10. And he said if you get really angry, it's a good idea to count to 100. Right? The longer you kind of take that breath, the better things are going to get. Now, the Bible's not saying, like, wait a week or wait a month. Actually, the Bible's really clear. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, which means don't, like, go to sleep with it because what's going to happen if you carry it into the next day, it's going to turn into bitterness. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and that bitterness is going to lodge in your heart, and it's going to show up in all sorts of different ways. But what we do need is to take a moment. And, and say, okay, I'm starting, the red light on the dashboard is here. I'm starting to get upset. I'm starting to get hot. I'm going to go take a walk around the block. I'm going to go into the other room. 
I mean, I was going to say take a drive. Maybe you don't want to do that when you're angry. You don't want to be, you know, that could lead to some other problems. But you just say, I'm going to take a moment. I don't want to pour gasoline on this fire. And so what is it that we do? If we're taking that moment, if we're taking that pause, if we're taking that break, and I've got some fill-in-the-blank notes, and this is the part that I think would be really helpful for you to remember. So, so it says this in Proverbs 19.11. It says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. And so if you're wise, you're going to have some patience, and you're going to take a moment, and you're going to think about it. And I think there are some specific things that we should think about. Probably a bunch of things, but let me give you three things. The first is, why am I angry? That we stop and say, what's going on here? Because I got this emotional response. My IQ just dropped 50 points. Let me figure out why I'm mad. Like, what, what exactly has happened? And I'm going to drill into this more in a minute. But the second thing is that we ask ourselves, when we take that time out, try to get some wisdom, try to get some perspective, what is it I really want? Like, there's something, go there's something that I want or there's something that I need that I'm not getting. So, so why did I become angry? And what is it that I want? And the third thing is, how do I get it? How do I get what I need? And I think what we can all agree on is you going back in there and yelling and screaming and being a maniac is going to get you further from what you need, not closer to what you need. Let's go back to that first question. Why am I angry? And I think there's primarily three reasons we become angry. Three things that happen that cause anger to surface in us. The first, what causes us to get angry is that we're hurt. Right? Kind of the classic, you got a guy hammering a nail, he hits his thumb, he gets mad because he's hurt physically. But usually it's because we're, we're hurt emotionally. Somebody hurt our feelings. Somebody said or did something that hurt us, and so we respond with that, that to that hurt, we respond with anger. And so we take a moment and we say, okay, what exactly was it this person said that made me get angry? How did they hurt my feelings? Another, another reason we get angry or cause of anger is frustration. That you want to get somewhere, you want to go somewhere, you want to accomplish something, and there's something blocking your path. So kind of the classic way, you want to, you want to get somewhere on, you know, on time, but then there's traffic on Route 17, and so now, now you're going to be blocked, so you're frustrated because you can't get there on time. Side note, just do Google Maps ahead of time, and then you can like, leave time to, to account for the traffic, but that's, that's another matter. But that's, that's probably the one for me that comes up the most, right? Because I'm very type A, I'm very goal-oriented. So usually my anger comes because I feel that somebody's blocking me, or there's, there's some, someone's doing something that's frustrating me, keeping me from goals and things that I'm trying to accomplish. And so if you're aware of that, you can kind of identify, what is this person doing that's frustrating me? What is it? Where am I trying to get to? And how are they keeping me from getting there? So we can, we can have a conversation about it. And then the third thing is this. It's fear. Right? When we feel cornered, when we feel that somebody's kind of coming at us, when we feel insecure, we respond with anger. Anger and insecurity often go together. And, and I think that the more insecure you are, the angrier you're going to be. Because I think the two of those things really go together. And so one of the things that I talk about a lot that I think is really important, like a key to kind of communicating the gospel to our culture is identity. Like we need to know, like you need to know that your identity is in Christ. 
that your identity isn't dependent upon how other people treat you. You're, the way that you think about your life, the way that you think about yourself, is the way Jesus thinks about you. Right? What Jesus says about you is what you know to be true. And so if some person in your life, some person in your family, some person, if they're saying something other than Jesus, then it's like, well, okay, that's too bad they feel that way. But my identity doesn't depend upon what they say. My identity depends upon what Jesus says. Right? And Jesus is faithful. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so his opinion of you does not change. And when you know that, you have a foundation to stand on. You have an identity. You're standing upon a rock. You are safe and secure. But if your identity depends upon the whims of other people, I mean, if other people can, like, they say the wrong thing, or they do the wrong thing, or they treat you with something that you feel is an insult or contempt or whatever it is, your insecurity, your fragility is going to make you go, is going to make you become angry, is going to make you fly off the handle. Every time you look to someone else to fill a need that only God can fill, you're going to be frustrated. And there's going to be this like baseline of anger that's going to be there because nobody can play God in your life other than God. Nobody can meet all of your needs. No one can meet your physical needs, your financial needs, your mental needs, your emotional needs, your spiritual needs. Only God can do that. And the reality is that someone who's a bully, and if you're someone who, you know, you use anger to try to get what you want, you're a bully. And so, you know, someone who's, a, whether you're talking about that junior high school bully or you're talking about that bully in the boardroom or the bully in the family who uses anger to try to get what they want, there's always insecurity behind a bully. A bully is always afraid. They feel bad about themselves. They don't want the spotlight on them. So what they're going to do is they're going to try to point out the flaws and weaknesses of other people, shine the spotlight on them so it doesn't come back on them. It's a defense. It's something that they do. And it comes from their insecurity. And what I think is so helpful about this, what's so helpful and so important about this, is not only when there's conflict, is not only do we pause and say, okay, what's going on with me? Why am I angry? Am I hurt? Am I frustrated? Am I fearful? But if we want to really become peacemakers, right? Bible Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. If you want to be a peacemaker, not only will you ask that about yourself, you'll ask that about the person who's coming in hot with you, right? If somebody is expressing anger to you, what we normally do is we fight fire with fire. If somebody's angry at us, we return anger back. But wouldn't it be better if we slowed down and we said, wait a minute, okay, so they're really mad at me. Let me try to figure out why they're mad. Is it because, you know, I hurt them? Is there something that I said or something that I did that hurt them that I need to apologize for? Or I need to maybe explain further, we need to talk about? Are they frustrated? Are they trying to get somewhere? Are they trying to, they want the home to be a certain way. They want life to be a certain way. They want the job to be a certain way. They want a relationship to be a certain way. And they're frustrated because I'm doing something that's getting in the way. Let's identify that and let's talk about that. Is there something that I'm doing that's making them feel insecure? And so listen, kind of a classic thing. You know what? If you have, like if a wife comes to a husband, the wife is mad because of, because of the way the husband checks out other women. Let me just say this. If you're a guy who's, you know, checking out other women, I just want you to know everybody knows you're doing it. Like you may think it's something that's just happening in your head, but no, no, no. If you're someone who has that kind of like creepy gaze on people, like 
the, the woman you're looking at knows. Your wife standing next to you knows. The, the people in the other checkout line, they, like, they know. Like, it's, it's, it's like a thing. And so if your wife comes to you, right, and rather than just being angry and venting about this, that, and the other thing, and just says, listen, I just want you to know that, like, we all notice the way, you know, like, I notice the way you look at other women, and I just want you to know it makes me feel insecure, and it makes me feel unsure about our relationship, and it makes me feel unsteady. That's a totally different conversation than just kind of out-of-control anger. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know what's going on. So if we want wisdom, we'll stop and we'll ask ourselves these questions, right? Why am I angry? Uh, what is it that I need? And how do I get what I need? And then for the why am I angry, we drill in. Is it, is it that I'm hurt? Is it that I'm frustrated? Is it that I'm afraid? What's going on here? So with wisdom, we can move forward. And so the last, the last point is this. Probably the most important. You know, the Proverbs has given us some good advice, some helpful things. But the reality is, is we can't white-knuckle it. We can't, you know, we can't just kind of force ourselves into something. The fourth step, I think, is the most important. We need to rely on God's help. Because this isn't going to be solved by listening to one sermon or reading a book or even going to a conference. The real power for us to change, the real power for us to deal with the unrighteous anger that gets expressed in our life is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. That's the key. The power of God. Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who holds everything together, he lives inside of your chest cavity. He lives inside of you. He lives inside of your heart. And he is changing you from the inside out. That's the key to all this, is our relationship with Jesus. Romans 15.5 says, patience and encouragement come from God. Like full stop. Really clear. It comes from God. I pray God will help you to agree with each other the way Christ Jesus wants. And so your relationship with Jesus, your closeness with Jesus has everything to do with how you manage and how you deal with your anger. If you are close with Jesus, I always talk here all the time about centering your life on Jesus. And let me just say, listen, maybe there's someone here, more than a few people, like you're here under duress. You're here because someone made you come. You're here because, you know what, I don't want to fight, so I'll go to church and I'll make them happy. And so, you know, I get it. I mean, there's lots of reasons that people are here. And so maybe you think like faith and Jesus and all this stuff, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's relevant to my life. I want to tell you that, that it is so relevant to your life. And I just, I think that there's probably one or two people here where God allowed you to have a hellacious fight recently. And so you're here, and this is like right up at the surface. Like you know there's something that's going on that's out of control. And what I want to tell you is that the way forward, the way for you to become the person that you want to become is to let Jesus into your heart and let him do what only he can do. Let him do the, the transformation and the change that comes 
comes when Jesus takes up residence in our heart. Because not only do we get to go to heaven when we die, not only do we get to live with God forever in his kingdom, he starts working in our life right now. Jesus makes life better, makes us better at life. And so we need to be close to Jesus. We need to invite him in. If you're someone who has invited him in, we need to stay close to him. Right? Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you're going to bear fruit. And so if you're trying to become a disciple of Jesus, if you're saying, I'm going to hunger and thirst for righteousness, because the Bible says, if I hunger and thirst for righteousness, I will be filled. That if you do that, you're going to see transformation in your life. If you're trying to get close to Jesus, you're going to see transformation in your life because getting close to Jesus is going to change you, right? It's going to change you from the inside out. But if you're someone who's just going through the motions, who's kind of a little bit of religion, if you're someone who just like after today's service, you're going to get in your car and you're going to drive away. And as you pull out of the parking lot, you're going to wave goodbye to Jesus and say, see you next week, Jesus, or maybe in two weeks. I'll see you soon. You're not going to see the transformation that you need in your life. It says this in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit, right? How does a tree produce fruit? doesn't do it by willpower. It doesn't go, I need some apples. No, it's just something that happens. And so when the Holy Spirit's inside of you, the fruit of the Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. So when God says that he wants to help us deal with our anger, what he does is he gets to the root. He gets to the heart. See, one of the things that God promised all throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, he said, I'm going to take away your heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to change your heart. The problem, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? What it's like, it's like, it's like a jar of, it's like a tube of toothpaste. And if you squeeze the tooth, if you squeeze the tube, the toothpaste is going to come out. Whatever is in your heart, when there's pressure, when there's tension, when there's a squeezing, that's what's going to come out. And what God says is, let me do a work in your heart so that what will come out when you're under pressure, when you're in that moment, when your buttons are being pushed, when their buttons have been pushed, so that you can be a peacemaker, so that you can be wise. God says, rely on me to change your heart. Let me give you a new heart. Let me take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Because it's all, it's all about the heart. You know, ultimately, it's not, it's not behavior modification. It's not white-knuckling it. A lot of times, you know what, we'll respond in a certain way and we'll say, I, 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 don't, I don't know why I did that. That's not me. I don't know what got into me. Well, actually, we do know what got into you. We know what got into me. Sin got into me. Right? Sin, the reality that we've lived so much of our life apart from God and apart from His grace, there's been hurt, there's been frustration, there's been fear and insecurity. That's in there, and it's going to come out. And so the reality of it is, is that however we're expressing anger, whatever's going on with our tongue, it's reflecting our heart. If you find someone who has a harsh tongue, a cutting tongue, always slicing people down with their tongue, it reveals an angry heart. If you have someone who has a negative tongue, someone who has, has a negative tongue, always having to, to kind of, you know, pour water on everything and pop every balloon, it shows that they have a fearful heart. 
If you have someone who has a boastful heart, they're always a boastful tongue, they're always bragging about what they've done, they're always having to one-up everyone, that means they have an insecure heart. If you have someone who has a judgmental tongue, it means they have a guilty heart. A critical tongue is a bitter heart. A filthy tongue where every other word is F this and F that, that means there's an impure heart. But if you have someone who has an encouraging, the words that they use are encouraging and are uplifting and are wise, there's a happy heart. If the words are gentle and kind, it's a loving heart. If there's patience and control, it's a peaceful heart. And so what we need, you know, giving you what, the, what Proverbs says, the advice, the steps that we can take, but just getting, getting down to the root of it, the foundation of it, what we need is a heart transplant. We need a new heart. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 51, verse 10, create in me a clean heart. And so I just want to tell you for all of us in our anger management and in the ways that we've lost things and the ways that we've hurt ourselves and the fights that we've caused and the shame that we felt when we've lost control and the damage that we've seen to the people that we love and to ourselves, what I want to tell you, Jesus is the one who can heal us. If you've experienced hurt in your life and, and you know like the reason the anger is there is because you've experienced a lot of hurt. And I know that, listen, there's, there's, all of us have, but some of you have experienced unimaginable hurt. One of the things that the Bible says, one of the most wonderful comforts, is that when we finally see Jesus face to face, that he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. Now, the good news is we can look forward to that day, but we don't have to wait for that day because Jesus will start that process right now. Jesus will start healing your heart. And I'll tell you, I know so many people, and I've even seen it in my life, where some deep hurts that I've had, and I've just seen little by little by little, as Jesus has healed and Jesus has restored, that, that the heart's softer. That it's just, it's not, the pain is different. It's not right there, right below the surface. We see that Jesus brings about healing. If you have a frustrated heart, if you, if you have this frustration and you get angry because you're trying to control things and you're trying to control outcomes and you're trying to get somewhere and it's all on you and there's this frustration, the more you walk with Jesus and you realize that, that, that if, if God is for you, who can be against you? He causes all things to work together for good. You realize that it doesn't all depend on you. You can find a peace in the midst of the frustrations. And if there's fear and there's insecurity... As I was saying before, this whole thing about identity, like the, honestly, if you want freedom in your life, the more your identity is formed by what Jesus said. Listen, if you let your identity be formed by, you know, how many people like your Instagram post and how many people have seen your TikTok video and how high up the corporate ladder you've climbed and what holiday parties you get invited to and all that stuff, you are going to be an insecure person. But if you will say, my identity is going to be based solely on what God says about me, then you are going to be free in your life. You're going to find a strength in your life. Proverbs 3.26 says, For the Lord will be your confidence. The Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. And so what God is offering us with this is, yeah, we don't want to, you know, get angry. Or we don't want to hurt people. Or we don't want to blow up our life. And God's saying, yeah, I don't want you to do that either. But I want to go deeper than that. I want to give you a new heart. And I quoted this verse a couple times, but Ezekiel 36, 26. It says this a number of times. It says, I will give you a new heart 
and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And as he gives us that new heart and he gives us that heart of flesh, we're going to find when we get squeezed, what's going to come out more and more is the fruit of the spirit. When the bucket gets kicked over, what's going to come out more and more is the fruit of the Spirit. And as we let Him do the work in us to give us a new heart, even when that person comes at us and they're mad rather than reacting, we're going to be able to be wise. And we're going to be able to help them figure out, what are you really mad about? What's really going on? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit the earth. So we'll get to inherit the earth because we're going to walk in God's wisdom from that place of a new heart, and we're going to be the peacemakers that God is calling us to be. And so I just hope that if you're listening to this and, and you know, maybe you're, you're frustrated, you've been trying to deal with your anger and you know, you know, maybe you've even been sent to anger management classes or something and you're just trying to white knuckle it. Here's another way forward. We would just say, Jesus, I want you, I, I want to give you a deeper permission to work in my life. And I want to understand how imperative it is that I, that I stay close to you that you are the most important relationship in my life. Because listen, you come to church and we sing songs and you hear messages and you'd be like, yeah, Jesus is important. But then we're going to go out into the world and we're going to forget and there's all these other distractions. But just remember, all the things, Jesus makes life better, makes us better at life. This is one of the huge ways that he does it. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new identity and it changes everything. And if you're, listen, if you're here this morning, and I just, I just, I have this sense, you know, and maybe I'll, maybe someone will send me an email or talk to me or maybe not. But I just, I just wonder if there's someone here and you kind of bottomed out, like your anger really caused you to bottom out in a relationship and, you know, fights that have been going on. Maybe your marriage is like you're about to call the lawyers because the fights have just been so out of control, whatever it is. And maybe God allowed things to get to the point where they got, you know, recently so you could hear this message because Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, I want you to invite me in. I want, you've tried it in all sorts of other ways. Now try me. Give me a shot. Let me come in and let me give you that new heart. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know a time, you can't think of a time when you said, Jesus, I want to invite you into my heart. That's what the Bible calls being born again, right? We ask Jesus to come into our life. He comes into our heart through the Holy Spirit, forgives us of all of our sin. And now we have a relationship with God that's from the inside out. It's not God out there. It's God in here. But the Bible says to, his med, to, to, to those who received God, Gave, God gave the right to be called the sons and daughters of God. So we have to receive Him. And so what I'm specifically asking right now is are you aware of a time in your life when you received Him? When you said, Jesus, I want you to come in. And if you're not sure you've done that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And so let's close our eyes so you can remain seated. And if you're ready to do that, just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm at the end of myself. And I choose to look to you right now for the way forward. I ask that you would come and live inside of me. I ask that you would forgive all of my sins. I believe you died on the cross in my place, that you rose from the dead. And so I accept your free gift to salvation. Would you come inside of my heart 
and give me a new heart. Heal my heart. Change my life. And from here on out, I'm going to follow you. And I want to live my life as close to you as I possibly can. Just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer this morning, just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer. Okay, awesome. And I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. You can check off on the back of your connection card that you decided to follow Jesus. Or you could text follow to this number. And what that'll trigger is I'm going to send you, you know, this letter and some booklets and different things to kind of help you in the steps that you need to take to continue on in this journey. Now, I think there's some some ministry that we want to do, but we're going to we're going to receive the offering right now. So those of you who are everyone's just remain seated. But those of you who are in that row over here, there are baskets under your chairs and just pass them this way. We've got ushers who can kind of help us with uh you know, getting, uh, if there's any gaps, can kind of help these baskets to keep going. The prayer team got together this morning and they were asking God specifically some things that they felt God wanted to do during our ministry time. And, and they had a, a couple of things about healing, that God wanted to heal some things. Um, somebody having like pain in the middle of their back, someone who's got a lot of hip pain, someone who's dealing with sinus pressure that seems to be like connected to, you know, there's like ringing or something going on in your left ear. Uh, We believe in a God who heals, not only heals us emotionally, but heals us physically. And so if you have any physical needs right now, we'd love to pray for you. Let's all stand right now. And we could have people from the prayer ministry team just kind of come up and get ready to pray for some folks. So physical healing, we want to pray for you. But let's just wait for one moment. And just let God do what he's going to do. I know this is something that is relevant to each and every one of us, affects each and every one of us. And so what I want you to do right now is just offer your unrighteous anger to God. Tell him you're sorry. Ask him to change you. Say, Lord, would you just continue to give me that new heart, that soft heart, that heart of flesh? Come, Holy Spirit. And I just, you know what, if if you're here this morning and you just feel like gone too far, I don't know if we can come back from some of the some of the things. I'm at that point of like losing everything. I feel like right now something that God wants to do for some people is to just put some hope in your heart and to say, let me, God is saying, let me turn this around. Let me turn this around. And maybe what you need to do if, you know, with a spouse, with a child, with whoever it is, you need to have that conversation. Some of the things that we talked about today, why are you angry? What do you need? How do you get it? All that kind of stuff. But just come at it with wisdom, leaning on God for his help and his support. And I believe that God's going to make a way where there is no way. So come, Holy Spirit. Fill us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that the fruit of the Spirit would flow through our lives. Joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and self-control. That we would walk in the wisdom that you have for us. And if you need prayer, listen, we're going to transition. We're going to, we're going to end the service here in a moment. But if you know that, that your anger is something that's negatively affecting your life, negatively affecting your relationships, have the courage to let somebody pray for you today. Come on up and just say, 
you know what, I just need God's help. I'm just, I'm not dealing with my anger in my marriage. I'm not dealing with my anger in my life the way that I need to. I need God's help. And someone would love to have the opportunity to pray for you, that God would fill you, that God would heal you, that he would strengthen you so that you can go and face this week and have things be different because God is changing you from the inside out. So we got some time here, and so people would love to pray for you. Come on up and avail yourself of that. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next week.